Welcome to episode three of Cabin 11, where there's always room for anyone looking for a family. I'm Celeste. And I'm Minnie. And this is Kevin Eleven, a Percy Jackson podcast. These first few episodes, we're still figuring some things out. So just bear with us as we learn more about how to do this whole, you know, podcast thing. As mentioned in our first episode, we'll be covering a brief overview of Greek myths right at the start before we jump into the chapter. Today, today we're going to talk about Poseidon briefly. I'm of very course, excited um, for this one. Yeah, oh, me too. Of course, we absolutely have to talk about Poseidon here. Obviously, we can't go super super in depth or anything like that, but we'll uh we'll just we'll just see we'll see how it goes and we'll obviously be touching on things a bit later on as well. As you'll learn, if you don't already know, Greek mythology is very intertwined with many different versions of each story. We are by no means experts or qualified, just here to have a good time and to dive into a story that we love. You should already know that Poseidon is the Greek god of the sea, but if you didn't, Poseidon is the Greek god of the sea. He is also god of the sea, earthquakes, droughts, floods, and horses. He's one of the gods known as part of the big three which Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades, which we will touch on more in depth as a whole thing later on. Mm-hmm. Um, Poseidon is the son of Kronos and Rhea. So naturally, Poseidon was swallowed whole by dear old dad because Kronos <laughs> didn't want to be overthrown by his children. This meant that Poseidon grew up inside his father's stomach. Sounds like a lovely time. I honestly forget that it happened to them when they were considered younger and that most of them grew up inside their father's stomach. So I just, we can definitely talk about this in a later episode, but it makes me wonder. So we're talking second series. It makes me wonder, was it the type of experience of like Tartarus? Was it like this infinite chasm that like there were creatures and things like that? Or is it more of like a physical being? Interesting. Because I don't think, at least I haven't done a whole lot of research into this specifically, but I don't think that all the other swallow children were interacting and hanging out, having a good old time and dear old dad. Probably um, not, but it just makes me I'm wonder. I'm sure Kronos kept them separate as like an isolation thing. That's so odd. Then it's got to be similar to like Tartarus. Tartarus. It's got to be similar to that then. Yeah. I just had we'll that thought. That's all. that. Yeah, no. <laughs> We can definitely keep that in mind for future because, holy moly, I'd never thought about that. I know. Sorry. Sometimes sometimes the thoughts just come out and I can't stop no, them. No, please. Oh, my gosh. Don't stop them. For our social media, you can find Cabin 11 on Instagram at Cabin 11 Podcast and on Twitter at Cabin Percy. Make sure to follow those accounts so you receive the most up-to-date information about your favorite Percy Jackson podcast. Uh, We'll take opportunities to post exciting things happening in the Percy Jackson world. I'm sure that there will be times where we will be posting about our own lives. So if you're interested in either one of those things, make sure to give that a follow. You can also contact us via that way as well. Uh, Before we jump in, this is the moment where we will say that there will be major spoilers ahead So please proceed with caution if you're a first-time reader. You will have some spoilers coming. Don't say we didn't warn you. (laughs) Indeed. Major spoilers ahead. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, 
So just to recap where we were last time. So last chapter, Percy was experiencing the world's worst prank with his teacher and best friend lying to him. But also, they're the only two people in existence who know Mrs. Dodds was real. Miscommunication Central was the theme of the chapter with his favourite teacher telling him that getting kicked out of school was for the best and his best friend having... A fancy summer home, which in reality, it's not a fancy summer home at all. No. To make matters worse, he had to, Percy had to go home to his emphasis on this stinky, smelly stepfather Gabe, who literally takes money from children. At least literally. he's going on a trip with his all-time BFF, Sally Jackson, to their favorite place, though. Shout out Sally Jackson. I love Shout her. Sally is one of my favorite characters in this entire series. Oh, yeah. I've talked a bit about um, Sally for the next episode and some of the notes that I've been taking, and I'm just like, man, and Percy just loves his mum. Yes, he does. That is his best he friend. Loves his mom. Yeah. That's so wholesome. It is. So this upcoming chapter that we're about to go over is called Grover Unexpectedly Loses His Pants. And in this chapter, we get to know a little bit about Percy's home life. We get to meet his mom and his stepfather. <laughs> um, Percy doesn't know anything about his real father except the memory of a warm glow and that he was lost at sea. And then the chapter ends with us going to Montauk on Long Island. And this is the beach that Sally met Percy's father. And it's very important to both of them. Yeah. So we left off with Percy and Grover on the bus. And as soon as they arrive at the station, this is how the chapter starts. Percy immediately ditches Grover after being unsettled by some of his like little comments to himself. Like, why does it always happen like this? Why does it have to be sixth grade? We later learn that this is in reference to another child that lost their lives on mm-hmm. the way to Camp Half-Blood. I say lost. Picture that being in quotation marks or like air quotes, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll touch on that later. Um, wink, wink, but, nudge, nudge. Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Spoilers! I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is for a later book. Right? Oh my god, mini spoilers. Oh, I can't believe. In, spoilers? In our podcast. Oh, shoot. It's almost <laughs> like we warned you. <laughs> I'm doing the finger guns oh, for hey. the visual. <laughs> Grover really wants to do well looking after Percy because we find out Grover's role. Grover's role is a protector and he's hoping to get his searcher's license, which mm-hmm. is a rite of passage for satyrs. Oh, yeah, definitely it is. The, the thing about the beginning of this chapter that always makes me laugh is Percy's like, yeah, I just stranded him. Like, bye. Oh, just yeah. because he was making him nervous. His best friend who rode a bus with him to his home when he didn't have to. And Percy abandons him. I know. Just like hails a taxi and nopes out of there. <laughs> okay, I have to ask, Minnie, have you ever heard of the nickname Persassy for Percy? No. <laughs> so... This is going back when the fandom was really, really big, which it's about to get that way again. I have a feeling they would call him per sassy because Percy has a lot of sassy moments. We see several in this book. We see an example of it in this chapter. And I think that this is the first one we see him being sassy. He just like, mm, no, oh, I'm gone. I like I like that nickname, though, because I mean, Percy is a very sassy, sarcastic human. Oh, yeah. We will, like there are some lines later on. And I just 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 Percy in general talking about 
anything that happens to him, he's just always like super sassy about it. I love it so much. I can't wait until we get to Auntie M's. Mm, yes, that's. I mean, that's not really that far away. No, it's really not. So it's only a few chapters away. I think we'll get there soon. It's gonna be exciting. But yeah, Percy gets home, and we're introduced to Smelly Gabe. Gabe is uh, stinky. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's Mm. not a good human. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, he's gambler. Literally takes Percy's change from the taxi home. He's like, got any money? And Percy's like, no. He's like, you took a taxi here, didn't you? You've got to have at least six bucks in change or something. And it's like paid with a twenty. Literally just taking like pocket change from his stepson. It's so horrible. Mm -hmm. He's like, (laughs) he's described as smelling like beer and cigarettes, and also trying to get that smell everywhere. So you just know that the whole house reeks of like stale beer and cigarette smoke which is nasty it is and poor sally puts up with this man i know and like deserves so much she deserves the world actual (sighs) but my favorite is i think it's the first time that percy describes him he says and this is straight from the book Gabe reeked like moldy garlic pizza wrapped in gym shorts. <laughs> That's so specific because you have the, you know, the molding cheese, you have the bread, and then the sweat. And Percy's 12 years old. So you know this kid has smelled some nasty gym shorts in those locker rooms. So that's not just sweat. That's like prepubescent B.O. (laughs) Which is nasty. (laughs) Um, And Gabe has no respect for Percy or his mother. He just saw them as an opportunity to kind of get in good, in my personal opinion. Because Percy says that when they first met him, he was a decent guy for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, 30 seconds specifically. So 30 like seconds. As soon as, as soon as they got married, it's like, nope. Uh, honestly, that's that's my guess, was that up until he, they got married, he was probably this sweet, lovable guy who, okay, whatever, he smelled. And then they got married, and I just have a feeling that's when it changed. Oh, yeah. I wonder what that's like. (laughs) Unfortunately, I was about to make the same joke. Um, The important thing to note about the description of Gabe is is the fact that he's described every like every time we hear about him it's smelly Gabe. It's not just like Gabe or my Yeah. It's smelly Gabe. And it's a really, really important thing to note because that smell is literally what has actually kept Percy safe. Yeah. We find out uh, very soon. I think the beginning of it, the next chapter we find yeah, out. Literally, yeah, literally the beginning of the next chapter. It's like that's how Sally's helped <clears throat> keep him safe was through Gabe. And Gabe it, uh, Ugliano. Ugly I, Gabe. I, ugly Gabe. But yeah, it's that that scent has masked Percy and kept him safe and mm-hmm. able to live with his mom, which is really great. Like, yeah. Thanks, thanks Gabe. It's, the only, it's your only redeeming quality. Especially uh, considering <laughs> Percy is such a strong half-blood being a child of, of uh, Poseidon. Breed. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Spoilers. Oh, no. Oh, no. Poseidon today. Oh, I wonder why <laughs> Sally's favorite place is the beach. I wonder why her favorite color is blue. 
Oh, wow. Like the ocean. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Speaking of Sally, Sally arrives home and we like, I love this because we can just see how much Percy loves his mom. Oh, like yeah. He, like describes her, how she lights up a room and is whole and pure. I like, I, and she's so far more like knowledgeable than she lets on. Like it's she knows tr- yeah. a lot of stuff. And it's truly, this is unconditional love from both of them. It's just so wholesome, you know, like their relationship and everything. It's just, it, I don't know. It gives me the warm fuzzies. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> like makes me feel all like warm and cuddly inside. It makes me so uh. sad though, because he talks about how his mom is the best person in the world and how the worst things happens to the best people. She lost yeah. her parents when she was really young, I think five years old. And then she lived with an abusive uncle who she had saved up all this money to get away from and her senior year of college she had to not college high school she had to drop out to take care of him and ended up blowing through her savings to provide for them and basically was left stranded on her own and all she wants to do is write a novel that's all this woman wants to do and she has such patience not just for her son but her husband And Percy even describes her by saying that he's never heard her raise her voice or say an unkind word to the either of them. And he knows that it's hard to have the both of them together. He knows he's, so to say, a difficult child. And that just breaks my heart, like, that he sits there and just, he wants to fix the world for her, but he doesn't know how. Oh, I know. I just, I'm going to start crying. It's just, he loves her so much and she loves him. And it's just, it's that perfect soul healing, child cleansing, whatever you want to call it moment that I feel that a lot of people could use right now. (laughs) Right. Like, let's read a whole, like, it's not a wholesome story, really, but let's read about a wholesome relationship and a story that we love, you know? Yeah. Rather Uh, than a story where he has horrible parents or things like that. Yes, it's just very nice to see something different. I don't want to read about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, But in in this first, like, introduction, too, like, the way that Sally asks about, like, things happening at school as well, I feel like is the first, like, kind of hints about learning that Sally has like clear sight and and can see through the mist like mm-hmm. it doesn't affect her yeah um which is tricky because Percy's like been terrified having nightmares for months and months and months his grades are failing honey. and slipping because of this th- this thing and he doesn't realize that he can talk to his mom about it because she will actually believe him and to be fair oh. Sally as much as I love Sally no Sally slander she could have come to him first. I'm sorry. She just could have. All these things are happening. She knows who his father is. She knows what it could have been. And I think it was selfish of her to try to keep him as close to her as she could because yeah, it risked his reason, safety. Yeah. Do you think the reason that she um, didn't go to him and like talk to him about like the stuff going on at school or whatever is because that's probably because of the like keeping him in the dark yes it definitely was because as soon as he starts having any kind of inkling that he might not be normal that's when everything falls apart yes and brunner and grover that was the conversation that he overheard them having was no the longer he's innocent the better or is like oblivious not innocent yeah the less he knows it's like the less he knows the better it is yeah 
So smells are really important in the Percy Jackson series. From Gabe covering Percy's scent to Grover, one of his abilities is a satyr being able to smell monsters. And Grover doesn't like the underground because it always smells like monsters. Another super important scent in this series is the scent that goes off when camp members make offerings to the gods. They scrape a bit of their food off into the plate and Percy describes it, I think, as smelling... I might be combining things. I'll come back when we actually get there. But basically, it smells very, very good. So when Percy hugs Sally... He says that she smells like chocolate and sweets and candy, all the good things. And to me, this is almost a parallel of the sacrifice that Sally's about to make. Oh, my God. Which I never thought of until the other day when I was rereading this chapter. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it was an intentional or not, I think it's a good parallel. That is a good parallel. Because we're not even there yet, so you wouldn't, you would not pick that up on a first read through. No, not at all. I didn't even pick it up, and I've read the book so many times. Dang. Thank you, thank you. That's very interesting because, yeah, it's like the scent from the sacrifice to the gods out of respect, but then that's foreshadowing. Ah! I think it is. <laughs> oh my god! Amazing. Thank you, thank you. I'm very proud of that oh. one. Yeah. Jeez, talking about like foreshadowing. Oh, <laughs> oh that was perfect Percy. segue. Yeah. Sally and Percy having a conversation, have, well, like when they go up and head to the beach, they have a bit of a conversation about Percy's dad, and it's specifically lost at sea. Not yes. died. No he proof died of sea. death. Just, yep, just simply lost. And we mentioned earlier that Percy recalls a warm, safe feeling every time he recalls his dad. Mm-hmm. But he was go- his dad was gone before Percy was born, so they never actually, like, physically met. I'm wondering uh, if that... Uh, I'm uh, not finished. Okay, but okay. According to Sally, <laughs> according to Sally, they never physically met. But I'm wondering if basically any time he went swimming ever... <laughs> that's where that kind of warm, safe feeling comes from. I think that, because Percy also says that he can remember a warm smile. I think that Percy, I think that he was met once as a baby, as a baby baby. And when Zeus and Hades found out, I think that Zeus and Hades found out a long time ago that this child exists. And up until this point has been like, you know what? He hasn't been an issue. He hasn't caused an influx of, you know, insane monster attacks i guess we're good but as soon as the lightning bolt went missing zeus said it's game over that's yeah just my personal thoughts because that also means that like poseidon well poseidon obviously knows about percy but there's no way he could keep that secret um but the other thing that is mentioned in this series is not just smells but colors colors are super important um we'll see that in this chapter, and then we'll also see it in the rest of the series, honestly. It's how we separate the gods. I mean, color even in, like, color in books is always interesting because it does mean, like, if they're specifying something, yeah, it does it typically means, like, pay close attention to what the yes. color actually means because yep. it's literally coloring the visual for you rather than letting your own imagination run wild with it. Yeah. Um, it's giving you the like color, 
scheme sort of a thing. Um, and in visual media, that's way easier to like interpret. Like in in book format, we have to be told sort of a thing. So yeah, it's yeah definitely something we'll be paying close attention to. Smells and colors. Yes, things we want to watch out for in this series for. Uh, this chapter specifically, the color blue comes up a lot because it's Sally's favorite color and she loves blue food. So mm. Percy loves blue food. And I looked up what the color blue represents. And this is just one of the first like selections on Google. But blue represents freedom, open spaces, intuition, imagination, inspiration, and sensitivity. Oh my gosh. Right? Wait, 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 wait. And the reason behind Sally loving blue food is because Gabe told her that blue food didn't exist. Yes. Like kind of a thing. It's like her little, not only is it her little act of rebellion, it represents her freedom. (laughs) This book. Yeah. I personally love how it lines up with both the characters because like you said, Sally really falls in line with that freedom. Mm. The intuition and definitely imagination there's definitely something special about her because as many already hinted at she has um clear sight so she can see through the mist which is partially why poseidon was attracted to her um and blue also a lot of people represent with water so yeah those were just some simple ones link right there yes (laughs) i wonder why blue is important here oh yeah water (laughs) yeah but those were just some simple ones Mm. yeah um last episode we talked about miscommunication and that continues here in the conversation with this mom which is we're on the beach now sorry we did kind of gloss over a bit i'm talking on the beach i'm having a conversation with his mom yes and the miscommunication continues because she says for your own good i had to send you away and percy doesn't understand like the insight that his mom has into like who he is and like what the world actually is and yeah he's just feeling like he isn't wanted and doesn't belong even with his own mum, kind of a thing. Like, because for your own good, I had to send you away. So it's like, oh, well, you don't, be- I don't belong with you. What? The one thing I love, I really like highlighted this particular um, paragraph is I, I love the exchange between Percy and his mum here. Yes. Percy says, because I am not normal. And H- Sally replies, you say that like it's a bad thing, but you don't realize how important you are. And I feel like that is something that we can apply to our own lives. Like, one, what is normal, honestly? But nobody realizes their importance. Like, sure, we might not all cure cancer or whatever, but every single person has, like, a place and they're important to someone, you know? Yeah. So it's just taking that filter and applying it. I just, I love how wholesome that is. I'm like, man, I want to live my life like that. I don't realize how important I am. From there, we get some flashbacks of Percy's, which are very interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Cyclops found him (laughs) when he was a baby. He's like someone with one eye under a hat, and nobody believed him. And then, obviously, snakes in the crib, like dead snakes, because Percy killed them, I'm assuming. Like, did he just, like, strangle a snake that was trying to come and get him when he was a baby? Maybe? But, yeah, any, like, all those creepy and unsettling things... And, like, and honestly, everything around him is just unsafe. 
Like, <laughs> poor Percy. No wonder he got kicked out of seven schools. Sorry, you you said that, and it it triggered the snake thing. Triggered a memory that there's a Greek mythology about Poseidon sending sea serpents to a child, and the child strangles them. I think. Oh. I swear that that's a thing. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, yeah, you go ahead and look that up right now. Oh my goodness. I didn't even think about that. Like, you said it out loud, and I was like, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. And not just because of Percy Jackson. Yeah, I I know in the Disney Hercules thing, I'm pretty sure Hercules strangles snake babies. I know Hercules. I know Hercules does, but there's somebody, there's something else. I am in no way going to be able to pronounce these. Uh, what is it? Let me try. Laocoon? Laocoon, maybe? But, well, maybe if anybody else knows what I'm talking about, maybe they can hit us up with the information as well. Yeah, please feel free. Tweet us. Send us in a DM on Instagram. Yeah, I would say it the way you did. Lucia Laocoon. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to read up about that. Yeah, but... Maybe we can put this article, like, in our description and people can read it. Because it's not exact, but it's... Lacoon's sons were killed by serpents. I knew that there was something. I knew there was something. So who knows? That might have been an attempt by somebody to get Percy. Because there's multiple times throughout this series that he has, like, a near-death experience that would have been another hero's death. And he survives it. So Sea of Monsters is full of them. Also, like, the one coming up literally in the next chapter. <laughs> yep. So it just wouldn't surprise me if that was the intention. Okay, going back to Sally Jackson. Uh, this moment is one of my favorite moments in the book. And in the musical, there's actually a song that goes along with it called Strong. And oh, I loved that song. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so good. I loved that song. So I pulled three quotes from the song. Um, two of them are shorter, and then I actually just snagged the whole last chunk of the song because I feel like it really fits in. And if you get the opportunity to go and listen to it, I really, really suggest you do. The actress's voice is absolutely beautiful, and it pulls you in. She just has this motherly tone. But she says, just because you're different doesn't mean you're not strong. So your strengths can be your strengths because it's good for you. But it could be somebody else's weakness, and that's okay. You're allowed to be different. And then it it follows up almost immediately with normal is a myth. Everyone has issues they're dealing with. Percy has felt alone through a good chunk of this book already. We're on chapter three and, you know, his friend has been lying to him. He feels like his teacher's been lying to him. His whole school is playing a prank on him. So, of course, he feels like he's alone and only his issues are what's happening. But the very ending of the song is Sally telling him, and there's a place you need to go where you belong, where the things that make you different are the things that make you special. Special like your father. Yes, Percy, you are special. Like food, the color blue, all the things that make you you are the things that will make you strong. And I just love that so much. And I feel like out of all the songs in that show, this one just perfectly represents Sally. It represents the message from these books, really, because they're young adult books. So there's got to be a moral underlining to them. This is that moral underlining. You can be different and we can celebrate our differences or 
we can do what a future character in this book does and he tries to tear down the world the thing the thing about this like song too is, and just sally in general that's going back to the miscommunication is sally is coming from a place of absolute love and wanting percy to feel like he has a place where he belongs yeah so it's it's not that she's sending him away for his own good. What she's really saying is you belong with your people kind of a thing, like with people like you. Yes. And she's finally realizing it's time for him to go. She can't protect him anymore. Oh, no, not at all. Not even remotely. <laughs> not even, unfortunately, not through the night. I know. Oh. <laughs> so horrible. Yeah. One of the things I found super interesting about, like, this whole, like, even in this chapter, even, Percy still isn't sure if Mrs. Dodds was a hallucination. Yeah. Like, still kind of getting that, like, that doubt from him. And it just goes to show how much lying to your best friend can really, like, mess someone up. Percy literally has, has no idea what's going on. It, like, Mrs. Dodds convinced it was a hallucination like he literally gaslighting him so hard he thought he was losing his mind it just goes to show how much that can change someone's perception of reality yeah um which is really sad it's a horrible thing to learn and know about and i'm i'm so surprised that i didn't pick up on this when i was younger oh yeah i'm only i'm only seeing it through the lens of an adult and someone who's been through it you know yeah if i'd only paid attention (laughs) i'm just gonna put a little content warning here really quick especially talking about like gaslighting and things like that. I still personally struggle and like my fiance will confirm that like if we get in any sort of argument, I get so nervous that he's either going to snap at me, start screaming at me, maybe even worse because those are the situations I've been in before. Seeing that Percy is struggling with this at such a young age absolutely breaks my heart and his isn't even on that level. No, it's just about not knowing something. And he struggles with it for a good chunk of the book. It makes him angry. It makes him resentful. When he gets his quest, he's like, I'm not doing it for my dad. I'm doing it for my mom, the one person in his life who has been true to him. And he carries that a long time. And I just, I can relate to that. And I'm sure you can too. I just wanted to, that felt important yeah no definitely back to normal things (laughs) back to to normal things yeah so in this in this chapter we do find out that sally knows about camp half-blood and what Mm -hmm. it is because his dad wanted him to go there the one thing okay just going to touch on this briefly because we'll it'll come up a bit later on but one thing we find out is that the gods aren't super involved with their kids yeah which at all but the thing that interests me is like even once they have a kid they're not involved in the parenting at all either. No. So it's like the fact that Sally knows so much <laughs> it's kind of rare. Yes. The only other parent that maybe two parents that we see mm. is Annabeth's father mm. and Luke's mother, kind of. In this series. Yeah. yeah. And it's um it's just it's crazy to me because it's like, okay, so all of the like the stereotypical demigods like their parents have had nothing to do with them from the moment they were born basically except maybe yeah um maybe maybe claiming them but sally knows so much like what (laughs) 
like, like how involved was Poseidon with Sally? Because it seems like with the other ones, not very involved at all. But here's Poseidon. I mean, we find out at the end of this book that Poseidon offered to build her a palace underwater so that way she could live with him forever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they offered immunity to Sally, which is just baffling to me that especially because he's married i know (laughs) that i can't wait until we get there because that's so funny it makes me laugh every single time when he's like when he meets his stepbrother and he's like oh my god yes i love his stepbrother so much though (laughs) so good so wait stepbrother or half-brother no it's the half-brother i love so much half-brother we meet next book stepbrother we don't meet until the fifth book (laughs) yeah no, it's the half-brother that I love so much. Oh, we so love good. Tyson. We love Tyson. Okay, yeah. One of the things we have here is Percy has a dream. And this is the first dream sequence, so we have to pay attention. Okay, well, we're paying attention to in the story color and smells, but also any dream-related anything. Uh, add that to your list. How about this? We'll make this easier. Celeste will be focusing on colors and smells. Minnie will be oh, focusing on the dream sequences and anything that could be potential like seer. Because we have, once we meet the Oracle, we'll start getting more of that mystical stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so the dreams are very significant as that's how the gods typically will speak to their children. Yes. Um, it's the easiest way for them to contact them. Um, unnoticed yeah unnoticed yeah specifically that because they've got other ways to contact but they're all monitored but the dreams very much unmonitored uh and very very specific in this particular dream it's kind of well they're very much premonition type symbolism so we've got an eagle versus a horse and they're being cheered on by the earth so for me eagle would be zeus in this scenario because he's the god of the air and also the king of the gods and yep. the eagle, at least in America, is a pretty revered national animal. <laughs> yep. So, so, um, I mean, uh, that kind of fits with that too. Bald eagles. <laughs> and, then, uh, <laughs> and then versus a horse and Poseidon created horses out of seafoam. Like, yeah. he's the god of horses. So it's very, very obvious symbolism here. But the thing that gets me is they're being cheered on by the earth. Now, in this scenario, I wasn't sure if the earth represented Hades or if it was just in general, like, because Tartarus is under the earth. Yes. If it's all of that kind of, if Tartarus or is what's cheering them on because it wants to see the chaos fall out from them fighting. Which I've been thinking about that because Minnie asked me that question a couple days ago when we first started talking about this. And I think that this is setting us up for the book of how we expect it to go. We expect it, well, at least not now, but once we start being introduced to everybody, we expect it to be, you know, it's Zeus and hey, Zeus and Poseidon against themselves. And everybody thinks if they don't think it was Percy that stole it, that stole the lightning bolt, they think it was Hades. I think that this is meant to be interpreted as Zeus versus Poseidon and Hades cheering them on. What I think it truly is, is Zeus versus Poseidon with Tartarus cheering them on. But I think we're so, supposed so, to perceive awesome. it. Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. we're supposed to perceive it as Hades. Yeah. Okay. Because we also find out that Hades has something missing as well. 
because Zeus is fighting Poseidon because he thinks this Percy's the one that stole the lightning bolt. And, of course, Hades is just like, yeah, fight Poseidon. That kid stole my invisibility cloak. It's not an invisibility cloak. <laughs> but it's basically what it is. <laughs> it's basically an invisibility cloak, though. <laughs> yeah. It allows him to work with the shadows. Yeah. And oh. after this dream, there is a loud thunderclap. And that wakes up Sally. And the first thing out of her mouth is hurricane. And Percy immediately is like, well, that... But that doesn't make sense because it's too early in the year. At this point, it's probably mid-June. It's way too early for hurricanes, especially closer up north to where I am. We'll start seeing hurricanes like down on the southern tier, but not up north yet. Or very rarely, I should say. But sure enough, it is hurricane-type weather. And through this confusion and chaos of Sally trying to get Percy together to get them out of there, start driving back home... They hear pounding on the door. And who is it, Minnie? It's Grover. It's we Grover. Love Grover. He shows up right in the nick of time. Of course, it's like a massive storm, and Grover's like, oh my God, I can't believe you left me. I needed to talk to your mom. Like, yeah. <laughs> basically. Oh, yeah. Just Grover like is rocking on up. Grover is so mad. So mad that he forgot to put pants on. And this is when we find out that Grover is not human. Grover has hooves. Yeah, the chapter ends talking about Grover's cloven feet. No, like hooves. Feet. (laughs) (laughs) The exact line is, because where his feet should be, there were no feet. There were cloven hooves. As usual, we're comparing satyrs and Percy Jackson to how they are portrayed in other mythologies. So when the uh, content in the chapter lines up with a creature, we'll talk about that creature. Not every chapter, I think, will have one, but we'll try and make it tie in as much as we can. So today we're talking about satyrs, also known as fauns in mythology. Fauns are more Roman-specific in the Percy Jackson universe because there's a very clear distinction between the two, where satyrs are beings... Uh, who are protectors, they're noble functioning members of society. Fawns are largely the opposite. Um, they're considered yes. lazy and largely like pests yeah. in the Roman separation, which we don't find out about till like next series, but you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll get there in a few yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, so a satyr, if you don't know, is uh, a creature with the upper body of a man and the lower body of a goat, complete with hairy goat legs and hooves like our favorite friend Grover. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have horns which are often hidden under hats and their feet are hidden by fake feet usually. Yes. <laughs> Just so the sound and appearance of the hooves won't draw unwanted attention from mortals, you know, mm-hmm. obviously. Can't have Percy knowing his best friend is a satyr. But yeah, so how, how I was looking into this and how satyrs are portrayed in Percy Jackson is very different to how they're portrayed in history. Um, for our younger viewers, I recommend don't look it up. Just don't. Don't. Not safe for work warning. <laughs> Not the NSFW warning. <laughs> Seriously, though, don't look it up until you're old enough. <laughs> Just, um, you can watch, what's that Disney movie? Fantasia. Just watch Fantasia. That's the perfect. There you go. I'll, obviously, like, that's just if you're looking it up, I can't stop you. But yeah, very, very different to how they're portrayed in history. They've, I've condensed it and made it family friendly. But um, they've been known to be fairly bestial creatures mm-hmm. over the course of, like, history. Satyrs but gradually became portrayed as more, like, human and less beastly. And then the goat-like features and stuff and characteristics in different depictions come from the, like, association mm-hmm. with the god Pan, mm-hmm. who's, like, the nature god, yes. which is 
And, and even in the Percy Jackson universe, satyrs are constantly looking for Pan. Yes. Um, they get Search's license to go out and try find him. The Romans identified satyrs with their native nature spirits, forms. Um, so separation in history is largely lost entirely. Satyrs and fawns are the same thing. I mean, look at Narnia. They refer to yeah. the one guy as a fawn. It's definitely a satyr. <laughs> exactly. It's it's the same yeah, idea. It's this it's the same thing. But yeah. Also, I mentioned that they're they were bestial since like like the more recent more recent history of satyrs, they've become more tame and domestic as opposed to their less family friendly origins. Uh, yes. Well, and part of that has to do with the fact that they not only are seekers of Pan, but they are supporters of Dionysus and Dionysus' original roots are very bestial, very bestial. I did a production a couple years back because theater kid uh, called the Bacchae. And the Bacchae were these women who worshipped Dionysus and they were considered feral women. They lived in the woods. They, in this particular show that I was in, possible trigger warning again, we were covered in fake blood. So it was very intense. So I'm... Assuming that that pulls along with how they were portrayed as well. Yeah. Also, like, it's less the, like, gore side of things, but just their general behavior is pretty terrible. That too. <laughs> like, like, it's just very... Largely, the more, like, the more, most recent history of satyrs is probably largely influenced by things like the Narnia series and just how they've started to... Definitely. They are very much a lot more family friendly and have evolved into like almost an endearing creature, probably also largely due to this series as well, rather than uh, how chaotic and terrible they used to be. Yeah. But yeah, satyrs and fawns, same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing, except yes. in the Percy Jackson universe. But we won't discuss fawns in larger detail until way later, like maybe in a couple of years, if we go down that series as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's so far down the track. We got to make it through these books first. This chapter was actually a very long one as well. Like it goes ridiculously into a lot long more detail. We've very much condensed it and skipped over like a lot of. We've skipped over a lot of, like, noise because it sets the scene with Gabe a lot and how Gabe and Sally interact and how he treats Sally and Percy, and it's largely the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, we skipped over, like, all of that and their travel up and, yeah. Very, very condensed. 100,000% go back and reread this chapter because it covers so much. And we're just getting into the good stuff. This next chapter is going to be the... Next next episode is going to be a good one. Yeah. It's going to be a sad one. It's going to be a good one, though. Yes, it is. For our Percy Jackson story today, I actually just wanted to kind of shout someone out, if that's okay with oh, you. yeah. Go ahead. So I've been wanting to do a Percy Jackson podcast for a really long time. I know that I've shared these thoughts with Minnie as well. And I made a post on Twitter one night, very, very late, that just said, why aren't there more Percy Jackson podcasts? And she almost immediately responded back, why don't you make one? And I'm not going to name this person by name because I think they'll know who they are. This person and I went to school together. We were in the same class together. People thought we looked very similar. We were very quick readers. We loved reading. I remember sitting outside for my 10th birthday and the last Percy Jackson book had just come out. 
And I remember us just sitting outside reading it together to see who could get done with it first. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, I so, always wanted a friend that I could do that with. <laughs> so her and I grew apart as we went into eighth grade and then into high school. It just makes me very happy that I now get to associate this memory with her as well. Aw, thanks to Celeste's friend for <laughs> randomly tweeting one night as she slept very late. Uh, and now we're here. This we is episode are. three. It is episode three. Isn't that wild? I am so very excited for the launch. <laughs> like right now as we're recording this, we've been a little yes. delayed. It's, we've got like that's okay. weeks exactly yeah. until launch. I'm and very excited. I'm also very excited. It is July 1st. Well, for many, it is July 2nd. It's the second for me, yeah. Um, and very you will soon. get to see this very, very soon. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't forget that you can find us at Cabin 11 Podcast. All one word on Instagram. Also, numbers, not letters. Don't spell out the word 11. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we forgot to say that. Good yeah. catch. Good um, catch. And on Twitter at Cabin Percy. You can also email us at cabin11podcast at gmail.com to share your Percy Jackson story or just in general connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Um, I also made a Google form. Yes. For filling in your Percy Jackson series. So if you're wanting to join our discord we also have that in there as well yes please please take the time to fill that out we would love to have your story featured on our podcast at some point in the future i just want to hear awesome stories about families bonding over it because i know that i'm not the only one who has a story where their parent introduced the series to them or their sibling did or their friend did and i want to hear it please Yes, please tell us. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed your night in Cabin 11 and look forward to visiting us for the rest of the summer. See you next time. Bye, guys.